Jesus. Jesus, we love you, God, and we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for everything that you have done for us to bring us into this place with these people. It's the greatest gift that you could ever do um, in giving us a new life. Um, are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? I'm going to tell you something that you probably already know. Is there's not a lot of folks that call themselves preachers, and I'm not talking about in the UPC, I'm not talking about in our specific organization, but there's not a lot of folks that want to deal with this chapter that we're going to deal with. Um, and to be quite honest with you, um, when I saw that I was on the schedule to deal with this chapter, I thought to myself, man, it'd be nice if Pastor would do that one. And what I have found, though, is that he was very right, um, as your pastor often is, um, is that there are some things in this that we're going to read through that the first time that I read them and the first several times that I read them in my lifetime, for sure, I just didn't understand. Um, and there are some things about this that we're going to read that is very, very, very clear. And there are some things that are not as clear. But I believe that by the time we get through tonight, God's going to step in and we're going to see the beauty of this chapter of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. You can be seated because this is a very lengthy passage that I'm going to read. Um, but we're going to read um, these 16 verses um, and just kind of see where um, we are and then go from there. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but in all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. That's a mouthful, and there's probably, if you are like me, there's, some probably, there's probably some things in that that we read that... There's probably some things that you understand. There's probably some things that you don't understand. There's probably some things that you like and are comfortable with. And there's probably some things that you are not so comfortable with. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, we're talking about the 
um, the topic of hair in our series, Bought with a Price. Satan sets himself to oppose everything that God sets into order. Can we say amen? Jesus came to give abundant life, but Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus calls us to deny our flesh, and Satan calls us to embrace our flesh. Jesus wants us to live lives of holiness. Satan wants us to live lives of sinfulness. We could certainly go on for a long while with this. Concerning holiness, God wants there to be distinction between the male and female gender. But Satan wants to remove that distinction. That's just biblical. We've read the verses about this in times past in this series. Satan would love nothing more for us to make things that are biblical to become cultural and things that are timeless to become temporary. With that in mind, we ought to be very, very careful. We ought to be very careful to not complicate the things that God has made plain in His Word. Sometimes we look at Scripture and I do it too. But we look at Scripture and we say, I don't understand that. But we don't say that because the answer isn't obvious. We really say that because if we were to accept it as written, that would require us to change our belief system that we've already held. And if you have ever been like that, you are in good company because so did the disciples do the same thing. Uh, Mark 9, 31, 32. This Hopefully this will set this up a little bit. Um, it says this, For he taught, Jesus is talking about, For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Get this. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. <laughs> There was nothing to understand. <laughs> this was prophesied. He said it as plainly as you could possibly just about say it. I'm going to be taken up. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise again the third day. And, but the problem was is if they were to accept that, that would go against that belief system that they had about the nature of what the Messiah was and what the Messiah would do. And so instead of accepting it, they say, I, ca I can't understand that. Y'all, we best not start using Scripture as the drunk uses a lamppost where he's not there for the light, he's just there for some support. This is an epidemic for us today. It's an epidemic today. People take things that are plain in the Word of God and they make them complicated. There are some things that we read which are complicated. There are also some things that we read that are plain. And they take these things that are plain and make it complicated. And if it fits their agenda, and if it, 
if it fits their worldview, they accept it. And if it doesn't, they reject that light and they reject that revelation. And they say, I can't possibly understand it. And they throw it out. But instead of doing some theological gymnastics with this, let's just look at the clear meaning of what we read. Because if we are looking for chapter and verse on why apostolic ladies have long hair and why apostolic men have short-cut hair, we just read it. 1 Corinthians 11, 14, 15. We'll start at the bottom of the verse here. It says this, or bottom of the passage. It, start, it says, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Paul says, doth not even nature itself teach you? Right there, we understand that this is not a cultural issue. He says when you have, when he is correcting the Corinthian church, I'll say it like this. He said you have not violated a cultural norm. You haven't violated just the way we do things around here, but you have violated the laws of nature. And what is nature besides God impressing his divine order upon creation? Paul says nature teaches you this. The way that you were created teaches you this. That it teaches you that if a woman has long hair, it's a glory to her. And if a man has long hair, it is a shame to him. In creation, God made it where a woman's hair naturally grows faster and longer than a man's hair. That it's just how he made us. Paul says, don't overcomplicate this that I've just told you. Don't make this more complicated than it has to be. The fact is, God made us how he wanted us to be. Right? He made it... He could have made it however he wanted it, right? We believe that God created all this. And he says, when he did, he set it up like he liked it. When you set up your house... Hopefully you don't set it up how everybody else likes it. But, but when you set up your house, you set it up how you like it. So Now some look at this and say, well, that's good and that's fine. But how long is long? Right? How long is long? In some cultures and in some people, their hair just doesn't grow as long as others. That's true. That's just true. But if you look up the word that's translated as long here, you'll find that it means to let the hair grow, to be uncut. We say long hair, but God is not really looking for a length. He is looking for hair that has been allowed to grow, uncut. God is not out here with a measuring tape, and neither are we. Any kind of uncut hair is long hair in the eyes of God Almighty. We understand that this is not the teaching of our culture. No one in this room is mistaken about this. This is not what you're going to hear everywhere. We understand that many ladies have trimmed their hair or cut their hair at some point in their lives. God is not condemning you forever because of that. God hasn't condemned us forever for any other thing that we've done either, for that matter, while we're at it. And so this is not going to be the issue that if you ever did it one time, well... 
tough to be you. That's not how this is. We understand that that's, that's how it's been. But the moment that you acknowledge the word of God and say, I understand this is not what I have always done. But I see it in the Word. I see the revelation in the Word. And I'm going to allow my hair to grow. And I'm not going to cut that anymore. When you do that, your hair will be long in the eyes of God. Because the Word means to let it grow. Let it be uncut. Paul says in verse 15, he says that a a woman's hair, or a woman's long hair is a glory to her because it has been given as a covering. We read about some coverings in our text. Now it's important to note that Paul said her hair is a covering. Her hair is given as a covering. Let scripture interpret scripture. There are people, theologians, some, not all, some, that will read this and they start at the verse and he says, well he's talking about a veil. He's talking about material. There's nothing in this text that suggests material. If you look up every word in this text, nothing talks about fabric, nothing talks about material or anything like that. And Paul defines it down in verse 15 that we read. He says, a woman's hair is given as a covering. Um, the, the idea that woman, women needed to wear a veil was not the Hebrew custom. It was not their custom. And you can, I mean, you can easily look that up. Um, it certainly wasn't anything in terms of, of a spiritual thing. 1 Corinthians 11, 5 through 6. Let's, let's jump back here just a little further. It says, But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. We've just read down in verse 15 that the covering that Paul is referring to here earlier in this passage is the woman's long, uncut hair. He says that if she does not have that covering... It's as if she would be shaven. It's as if that. It, it might as well be. And he's not saying just go out and do it. But he's like, it's, it's, the same, it's the same principle. Paul says if a woman is to cut her hair at all, it removes that covering as if um, she's completely shaven. He says it's a shame to her. He uses this same word shame when he talks about men with long hair. Now some people have come along and said, well, it's, it's a shame, but it's not a sin. And I understand why you might think that if you hadn't looked up shame. And let me tell you what, and you, and you can see these, these words here for yourself. Get on, get up, I don't know, get Strong's or something and, and look it up. You'll see this. But here's some words that it says. This is words that it equates to shame here. Dishonor, disgrace, infamy, indignity, contempt, vile, base. I know That culture says split ends are ugly. But God says your long hair is glorious. We do not take our cues from culture. We do not take our cues from culture any more, get this, than Paul did with the Corinthians. Paul was writing this letter because in Corinth, priestesses, and you can look this up in the book of National Geographic. This is a 
historical truth. Priestesses who served in the pagan temple of Aphrodite would cut their hair and burn it as a sacrifice to their God. As Paul ends this section of his passage, he says, if anyone is contentious about this, where you are, I would have you know that this teaching on long hair is the custom in every church of the living God. It might be an issue where you're from, but this is not an issue that we have anywhere else. This is just the norm. To insist, get this, to insist that a woman's hair was her glory would have been common teaching in any denomination up until the turn of the 20th century. Long hair on women was the custom in Christian areas of the world until around the 1920s in the United States. And you can look up newspaper articles and stories and stuff around the 1920s where they shifted. It's just history. It's there. In the modern era, the practice of a woman cutting her hair did not originate in a red-hot revival. It did not originate in a prayer room. Rather, it originated in the flapper area of the 20s. It was not godly women who decided that cutting their hair was now acceptable. It was not theologians who received some revelation. It was not a preacher or a man or woman of God who brought this to a congregation. It was not introduced to society by any spiritual person at all. It was introduced to society by a dancer. And, and consider the source. I'm not saying that someone is hell-bound here. But I'm saying that we don't take our theological cues from some people that don't value theology. We don't take our Bible cues from a culture that hates everything that we stand for. But we've, we've tackled this a little bit, but why does it matter so much? This is, this is where the rubber meets the road a little bit. We tackled the what, but we not said too much about the why. And to be quite frank with you, this is the part that I didn't know as much about until I started studying this out. In fact, that you'll likely notice that we have taken this text in reverse. Paul presents it the other way. Um, he begins with the why, and he works his way through the what. Um, and this gives us a clue as to why Satan has opposed this so much. Let's take a look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Says, be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, long hair, dishonoreth his head. Christ. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, cut hair, dishonoreth her head, the man. For this, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. Let me get this out of the way. The subject of this passage is not superiority and inferiority. The subject of this passage is divine order. And what we do with our hair for both men and women shows our submission and our respect for that order. (laughs) 
Don't let someone come along and tell you that this is dealing with superior and inferior. That is not what this is about. In fact, he goes down in the verse and says, neither is the man without the woman or the woman without the man. But let's go to Galatians 3, 26 through 28. I love this one too. This is the same writer, by the way, both God and Paul. He says, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This in Corinthians is not dealing with men being better or superior than women. That's nonsense. That, that would make Scripture violate Scripture. Men and women are equal in worth, are equal in intelligence, are equal in human rights, and many, 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 many other areas. But their roles and responsibilities in God's order are different. And their roles and responsibilities in God's divine order is symbolized by what Paul is talking about and referring to as a head covering. An honest person already knows that men and women are not the same, and it shouldn't be taboo to say this. We're different. We're similar in so many ways. Thank God we're similar in as many ways as we are. Because if we wouldn't, we'd really be in trouble. Because there's certainly a lot of ways where we're not. We're different physically. We're different emotionally. In creation, man was created differently than woman was. This is why Paul goes on to write in 1 Corinthians 11, 7 through 9. He says this, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Now, pause here. I was born, and it wasn't my dad. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about creation. He's talking about creation. He's not talking about... Clear that up. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman because she didn't exist yet. But the woman for the man. This is not talking about your wife serving you hand and foot all the time and you being a lord over her. That's not what it is. It's not what it is. Paul is reaching back to creation and saying, in the beginning, God created man in his image. And in the order of creation, man was created first. And then woman was created from the rib of the man. Men and women are different. Man was made in the image of God. But what was the woman made in the image of? You ever think about that? Not in the image of the man, thank God. I'm going to get myself, this will be the last time. <laughs> the woman was made in the, now, before I say this, I want to qualify this. When we talk about man being made in the image of God, how is that even possible? Because God doesn't have flesh and blood. A spirit hath not flesh and blood. What Jesus did, but Jesus also wasn't, I mean, we can say that he was looking forward and we can certainly say that. Um, but at least at the time, God didn't have a body. And so, get this, and, and I'll prove this to you. Woman was made in the image of the church. 
And we can see the symbolism here. Man is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. The first Adam named his wife Eve. The second Adam named his bride the church. The church is the glory of Jesus Christ, even as the wife is the glory of the man. Souls are born from the union of man and woman, even as souls are born from the union of Christ and the church. Just as Adam paid a price in his body for Eve to live, Christ paid a price in his body for the church to live. Just as Adam was put to sleep for Eve to live, Jesus was laid to rest for his church to live. Just as God made Adam from what he pulled, or God made Eve from what he pulled from the side of Adam, God purchased the church from what flowed from the side of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say, we were bought with a price? Just as the wife receives the name of her husband in an earthly marriage covenant, the church receives the name of Jesus in the eternal marriage covenant. Woman was not made in the image of man. She was made in the image of the church. And what would Christ do without his church? Ephesians 5, through 25, if you weren't convinced, well, here it is. <laughs> Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. As unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even also as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Yes, wives biblically are asked to submit to their husbands. There's no way around it. That, that is Bible. Yet, that's just as the church is submitted to Christ. But husbands better not forget the order that Paul put it in in Corinthians 11. Because Paul said it is God, Christ, man, and woman. And before you ask your wife to submit to you, you better be submitted to Christ. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? I'm glad you asked. He loved it unconditionally. He loved it in spite of its flaws. He loved it so much that when the church deserved hell and damnation, he gave his life for it and took judgment in its place. And shame on any of us men if our wives feel that they have to break their back all the time to make us happy or keep us satisfied or God forbid keep us faithful because we need to get a better picture of how Christ loves the church. That's not how he has treated us. And that's not how we are going to treat our families. We better submit ourselves to Christ. At the core of all this is this word submission. Submission is not an ugly word. It's not an ugly word. In fact, it doesn't even apply only to this stuff that we've read 
1 Peter 5 and 5, we talked about God, Christ, man, and woman, but 1 Peter 5 and 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Come on now. Let's not get bent out of shape over this submission business. Let's not get bent out of shape over this. God doesn't mean it to be an ugly thing. In fact, submission to God's divine order is the channel from which power flows. Let me ask you this. Who has more power? God, Christ, man, or woman? God created the universe. We know this. Put stars in the sky and all this stuff. And Jesus is born in the incarnation... And he is flesh filled with that same spirit of God. And yet as he submits to that spirit resident inside of him, he can say pretty bold things like, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And we're like, well, we're out, we're out of our weight class, right? right? And yet what does Jesus say? John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Are you ready for this? For the power of God to flow, we must be submitted under God's divine authority and in his divine order. Because when we are aligned with our head, we are aligned with their anointing. Submission is the channel from which power and authority flows. The humanity of Christ's submission to the spirit that was resident inside of him allowed him to do those miracles that you saw him do and you read about him do. This is why James writes, he says, Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Our submission to God gives us the power to resist. If you just try to resist without submitting, you're not going to get anywhere. Submission, it's a great deal. So let's, let's take this back. Paul goes into all this detail about divine order to say that our hair, short hair for men and long uncut hair for women, is an outward symbol of inward submission to God's divine order. Yes, it is a symbol of submission. No way around it. It is. But in the same hand, it's a symbol of divine authority from God. God honors symbols. I don't care how many people say he doesn't. Have you read the story of Samson? Have you been baptized? Because let me tell you, the water, I've jumped in the pool lots of times. I didn't have the same effect. But that symbol of baptism, I did not literally get baptized, or I didn't, get, I didn't literally get buried with Christ. But that symbol of baptism, God says, that's a point of faith, and I'm going to honor that faith, and I'm going to give you power and blessing and authority because of that. Now, some women, I understand, are going to hear this and say, I don't like this. I get what you're saying, but I don't like it because women are listed last. They're listed at the bottom. God, Christ, man, woman, and that's true. You are listed at the bottom. But you know what else is at the bottom? The foundation. The foundation of this building is at the bottom. 
And if any part of it's got to be right, the foundation's got to be right or nothing else works. Ladies, in God's divine order, you are the foundation. You are the boots on the ground in spiritual warfare. Why do you think that Satan started his attack on humanity with the woman Eve in the garden? Why do you think that God himself said, I will put enmity between thee, Satan, and not the man? Not to say that men and Satan don't have their own troubles. But God says, I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman. You are the foundation. You're the foundation. Don't be told differently. When a church loses its foundation of holiness, which mostly does fall on women, it is never long. It is never long before they lose the new birth, before they lose the oneness and other apostolic doctrines. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Women, when you let your hair grow, you are saying, I accept God's divine order. In the spirit, you're saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to operate under his authority. Why is it? That our apostolic women are so connected in the spirit. I'm going to go in on this one. They're killing us men sometimes, if we're honest. Many apostolic men. I've heard it so many times, and you have to. You have to. Anybody that's been to conferences and stuff, you've heard it. People say, my wife outprays me and outworships me and out... And you know what we say? We say, women are more emotional. That's a cop-out if I've ever heard one. Yes, being in the presence of God is emotional. But we don't respond to God out of emotion. We respond to God because of obedience. And we respond to God because of the Spirit. It's not an emotional thing only. Don't cheapen that to say, oh, they're just more emotional. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Pardon my French. I'll tell you why it's this way. Because every single day when an apostolic lady gets up, she already understands that she might face criticism and ridicule for doing it God's way. But she says, let God be true and every man a liar. Our apostolic ladies out-worship and out-pray us men sometimes because they have already won the battle of submission when they got ready for church that morning. They already won the battle of submission when they didn't cut their hair for weeks and months and years. They already won it. You see a guy with short hair in a suit still could be an atheist. Just the truth. We come to church, and we got to just figure out if that's going to be the time that we're going to submit to God's order or not. Is this going to be the service where I'm going to lift holy hands without wrath or doubting? It takes us guys a while to get warmed up. But our, but our wives got ready that morning. And we're already submitted. And we're already ready to go. 
Men, let's not make our wives carry more than their share of the load. They are coming to church ready and submitted to God. And sometimes we got to stop questioning everything. And we got to stop thinking about what upset us at work. And we need to humbly submit ourselves to Christ and worship and lead our families. It's our place in the home. Why don't we stand together tonight? Ladies, don't you ever worry about what anybody thinks about your long, uncut hair. It's beautiful. It's your glory. It symbolizes your submission to God's divine order. And it symbolizes your authority over every attack of the enemy. Can I get some help maybe? It'll make it better. Your hair is your glory because it puts you in alignment with God Almighty. And you might see a split end every once in a while, but let that be a reminder that Satan is under your feet. And before long, he's going to split hell wide open anyway. He has no authority over your kids, your family, or your future. Every time you look in the mirror and you see that hair that God is letting grow in you, why don't you say God has blessed me and he's favored me and he's going to make me victorious over anything that the enemy of my soul will try to do. And men, let your cut hair remind you that you're made in the image of God. And as you submit yourself to Christ, you can lead your family as capably as Christ leads the church. There is no devil in hell that can touch your family as you walk in alignment with God's divine order. There's going to be people. I haven't had it happen because I'm a man. We just don't have the... We cut our hair. So it looks good. Probably never going to have someone come up to me and be like, why do you cut your hair like that, Brother Curtis? And I know that for some of our ladies, people come up to you and just ask questions and not to get answers but to be mean and mean-spirited. And say, why do you do that? It's just hair. Why does God care about just hair? Well, He is God and He can do whatever He wants. But it's not just hair. It's not. (laughs) Why does God care about a baptistry? If we want to go there, let's go there. Right? Why does God care about water? Why does God care about going down in His name? Why does He care about that? Why does God care about you actually repenting and turning around? Why does God care about that? He doesn't need that. He's God, right? Why does God care about you submitting and speaking in tongues? Why does He care about that? Because there is power in it. And there is authority and grace that He wants to give you as you'll submit to this. It is not God lording over you. It's God saying, if you will put yourself under my plan and under my authority and under my protection I'm going to take care of you like no one has ever thought about taking care of you because yeah you might have the head of you as the man but the head of man is Christ and the head of Christ is God why don't we just look up for a minute and look at who we're doing this for you're not doing this for a husband you're not doing this for a church we're doing it for God 
feels so powerful in here right now is because God honors truth. When truth is preached, God always honors it. And your spirit begins to bear witness with it. What he's saying is right. My spirit can feel this is right. And so the Lord begins to move among us in such a powerful way. Pastor Clinton, you you did that as capably as I've ever heard it taught in all of my life. That was just amazing. It was amazing. And I just want to stop and say right here, the Lord put all those reasons in that chapter. He had inspired Paul to put all of those reasons that it's your covering, that it's your glory, that it shows that that even nature itself teaches you and that you're submitted to God's natural order. He said, and verse 10, he said something that Pastor Clinton started to deal with, and that is... He said, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Even the angels sit up and take notice, ladies. Do you realize the power of that? Think about it. Just close your eyes, ladies. The angels sit up and take notice when they see a woman that is committed to allow that hair to grow for the Lord 
in God's divine order and in God's divine direction. She's going to let it happen. And the angels sit up and pay attention to that because it means that that woman has submitted. And even where Lucifer could not submit, you have learned how to submit. And the angels sit back and say, wow. There's somebody that has influence with God. That's why you're so powerful when you pray. You have tremendous influence with God because you have taken a very strong stand that you live every day. Every day you live it. I've likened it to this before. When Paul gave us the armor of God, he said you're going to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, you're going to have uh, the, the belt of truth. You're going to have uh, your feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. You're going to have your, the, the word of God, which is your sword. And he gives us the, the, the armor of God. And one of the things that came to me one time is that all of those are offensive. They're all forward-facing, if you would allow me to say. I know they can be a defensive, but you, don't, you have the shield of faith. But everything is forward-facing, and, and there's nothing behind us. What's, let me tell you what's behind me. When I get up, I'm the man, so I'm going to go fight battle. But that foundation is standing behind me. And when I get up, I've got this lady back here that's been praying and seeking God, and she's got her submitted life. And yeah, sometimes people say, how long is your hair? really is it, it your ankles wow I couldn't do that I'd get a headache let me just tell you something you get a headache if you drink too much caffeine and you go a day without drinking caffeine I'm not kidding because I've heard some of these things well I can't do that because it'll give me a headache let me tell you something you need to forget all of that. You need to start thinking about the glory that you are showing and reflecting of God. And when I go into battle, I don't have what is behind me uncovered because I'm leading this lady and my family and she's walking behind me and she's got power with the angels and she's wherever I go she's right there with me and she's got my back through her own submission and I want you to know I want you to know from the depths of your soul there is there is really almost nothing I have ever seen in an apostolic church that brings the glory of God down like women getting up and beginning to praise worship pray intercede when it happens buddy you know it it's like a bomb went off we owe you women a great debt of gratitude because you carry much of that we thank you for it you've learned why tonight I'd like our ladies, if you would, to just come to the front tonight and just stand across the front. If you men would just step back for a moment. If you ladies would just come stand across the front tonight. When you're facing something, when you're up against something, you begin to feel things uh, trying to battle against you. I, I want you ladies to remember the call of God that's on your life. I want you to remember the blessing, the power that you have with God because of this one particular thing that is so very significant that God gave us an entire chapter for it. And ladies, 
when your families are struggling, when your church is struggling, when you feel like the service is locked up and, and for some reason we just don't seem to be breaking through, if some of you ladies will step out and begin to worship and praise God, it will bust loose every time. When your family's going through all kinds of turmoil, if you will step out and begin to worship and praise, it will bust loose every time. I'm not saying everything gets fixed, but I'm telling you God comes down in the middle of it. And so I want you to do me a favor tonight, ladies. Would you just lift your hands and your voices and would you begin to pray over all of us? Would you pray over your home? Would you pray over your husband? Would you pray over your family? Would you pray over your children? Would you pray over your church? Would you pray over us tonight, ladies? Hey, watch this, angels. Look at this, angels. Look at this, angels. you'd just speak words of faith right now. I wish you'd speak in faith of what you're going to see happen, of what you're going to experience. Why don't you speak faith in your family, over your family? Why don't you speak faith over your church tonight? Why don't you speak faith over health situations? And
Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I would encourage that you'd go back and listen to it again and again. Get this down deep in your spirit, ladies. This is a part of your apostolic heritage. This is a part of being a one God apostolic, tongue-talking, holy roller, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. This is a part of it. And we need you. We need you. This pastor is telling you we need you. We depend on you. Your strong stand for holiness that you exhibit every day. And particularly these last two lessons have, they demonstrate it very, very clearly. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. I encourage you. If you didn't hear last week, you need to go hear it about why we dress the way we do and then tonight about our hair the way it is so very very important and you parents that have young people and children if you're not bringing them up in this way you're not doing it right you're not doing it right and I want to encourage you make sure you do it right don't cut any corners and then wonder what's wrong do it right give your child every advantage to succeed in living for God. You are not robbing them by bringing them up in lives of holiness. You, you are doing the exact opposite. You are giving them the greatest gift and boost that you could ever give them by giving them an understanding and an expectation of living a holy life. 